I can't stop, stop, stop. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Isn't that an old song? That just popped in my head. I can't stop. I can't stop, stop, stop. Yeah, that's a a techno song. I have it on... um... I have it on iTunes, actually. Me and Scott once uh, turned up the music that was on at a Best Buy. We were there for some other reason. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was like the speaker Best test. Best Buy. Well, are those still around? That yeah. is a throwback in I, today's world, man. I know. I went to Best Buy once on my day off because I was really on the fence about getting a Nintendo Switch. Have you ever heard of that? No. It was in a dark a dark time a few weeks ago when i was like man that could that'd be a good just like waste of time sometimes i get a hankering to play a video game i haven't played in years really um, with any consistency but um, i'm not a gamer at all continue though i'm not judging well i had a nintendo 64 that was the that was the only yeah. gaming i really did um mm-hmm. on any high level so I was, I was pretty good at goldeneye mario the original mario 64 for the it was like the first game for that. Now console. Mario Kart sixty four, I will sit down and, and then play. Mario Kart, yeah. No, you will you'd get mm-hmm. crushed by me. I'm really good at that. Um, Absolutely not. I oh Mario call, Kart sixty four? I would call Yoshi, although I was pretty good as DK as well, and would dominate you. The thing in sixty four is that the characters really don't matter except that <laughs> uh, the little guys accelerate slightly faster, but also are more easily pushed out of the way, and the bigger guys like DK or Bowser, accelerate a little slower, but push the other guys out of the way. So I was, was always Mario yeah. or Luigi because they were middle of the road. You didn't have too much advantage, too much disadvantage. Wow. Would y'all nerds. drift? Were y'all into drifting? That's, you can't win if, unless you drift. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. It's the same mm. thing with Goldeneye. You can't win unless you strafe. I mean, like, I play, I'll, sometimes I'll play with people. They'll be like, oh, I loved Goldeneye. I was so good at that. And then I'll play and they don't strafe. And I'm just like, this isn't fun. I'm just... I'm just destroying you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even fun. And the same thing for, goes for those Mario N64 Kart. Those N64 games are timeless. They're classic. Yeah. Like those, I don't know about timeless. But it's just what we grew up with. So it's like what we think of timeless. No way! Classic. I think they're yeah. pretty timeful, to be honest. Yeah. Playing uh, <laughs> Super Smash Bros., the original on N64. Oh, baby. Is, yeah. Like nothing can really touch that, dude. It's, it's even weird, when they weirdly, tried to remake it and redo it, not, no, stupid. And N64 was by far my favorite console because they didn't have the CDs. There was no loading. You just turn that thing on and it's ready. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just waiting for you. And you got the, the remote. I love that control. The oh, remote? yeah. What are you talking about? I'm talking about N64, bro. Yeah, Talk but it, was a, it wasn't a remote. It was wired in, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the remote control. It had a wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all the controllers now are remote, they're like radio or Bluetooth or whatever. You don't even have to. Sounds awful. Them in. I know. So, anyways, so my anyway, compromise so was your Nintendo Switchblade or what is it? Yeah, the Nintendo Switch. I it what has is a lot of. I don't know. It's the new Nintendo. It has a lot of the old games. It has Mario Kart, a new Mario game, a new Zelda game. Um, Zelda. Yeah, and it's Zelda it's idea. pretty baller. All of them are really. You guys baller. ever play uh, uh, Pokemon on? Uh, Game Boy? 
No. Uh, a bit. I did. A oh bit. yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, you could. Uh, <clears throat> you have to like travel in the different maps, and you get the different colors. Mm-hmm. You get, like Pokemon Silver, Pokemon Gold. Oh, I don't Pokemon remember that. Blue. Yeah, I, I don't know if they carried over like it, hmm. but you you would have to yeah essentially campaign on these different color Pokemon versions. You huh. beat. You didn't have to do that. I don't man. I maybe I don't know. Cruise around and collect all the Pokemon. Well, yeah, that, but I don't remember the colors. Yeah, I think it was just like different ages of the game. Oh, yeah. I got you. Yeah, I as it you. developed, I feel you. So, anyways, anyway, I, I would I listened to a couple. I listened to a couple other podcasts. Um, one of which is kind of a tech productivity um, thing, and these were these two grown men talking about Nintendo Switch, and one of them was like talking about the Zelda world, and and it was a time when I was like, wow, that would be really nice to just have some release where I. Uh, you know, you can enter. Zelda is cool because it's like a totally different world, um, and you do things and figure out puzzles. And but it's not, it's not overly Final Fantasy ish and stuff. You know, like I, I'm never. I was never a huge gamer. I was never like um, computer games. That right. was next level. Right. I was never you like. No, a I did. Playing. I did do Roller Coaster Tycoon on on computer, and there was another computer game I played, but that's that's next level. In any case, I thought maybe I'd get that for myself. You know, it's kind of expensive. It's, it's pretty expensive. And so I called Tom Burr and I said, hey, do you think there's any rational like justification for getting myself a Nintendo Switch? And he just said no. And I said, okay. <laughs> so what ended up happening was um, actually my brother, who is also into games and, and whatnot, he has an Xbox and whatnot. My mom, because I was talking about this at family dinners a couple times and they were actually like why don't you just get one you know you should just get one and i was like no i'm not getting one but anyways my mom (laughs) my brother's birthday came up this past february and she's like do you think tyler would want one of those and i said yeah he would in the back of my mind i'm like and i would also get to play it when i was at your house so (laughs) so we we got him that and he's he's enjoyed it quite a bit i played i played a little bit it is cool but i'm glad i don't have one because i i i'm not good at regulating myself with stuff like that if i really like something a little bit is good a lot is way better you know oh i feel it i could just see myself Although, wasting time it's not it's not video gaming but i did take your advice of just like starting stuff that you've always wanted to do yeah this past week mm-hmm. and i've been uh i've been whittling some wood which is pretty exciting right on yeah man yeah i got some blocks and I'm in the process of whittling an owl right now into a piece of wood. I got a book, like a starter book of whittling. That's and awesome. so I feel like it's healthier than video games. Although, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty pumped about it. You can get like these these books on Amazon, like like super basic stuff to start with, just like a little few cuts and get the hang of it. Man, that's pretty awesome. Pretty pumped about it. Hell yeah. I yeah like say that. more about that. How awesome I like that hobby. <laughs> That's <laughs> just cool. Well, the, there was an old also, uh, t- PBS show. It was like an old, old timey um, workshop thing, where a guy would carve wood in, in his suspenders and a hat. You know what I'm talking about? No, but I mean, I can picture it. It was unbelievable, like how sharp his knives were and how detailed the carving. It, oh, it was yeah. kind of old style artisanal wood cutting. See, I I'm not. I don't think I have. I don't think I'll ever have like the skill necessarily to be super detailed just because I'm I'm just 
like art or what I used to consider art, which would be like drawing and painting. I'm so bad at that. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'll have the aptitude, but like this owl I'm carving is just, it's pretty darn basic. And I'm guessing after a few tries, I'll probably have it to at least resemble an owl. Yeah. And I always think, and it's like, once you get good at it, it's like a 20 minute project. So I thought like, how cool would that be just to be able to like, yeah, like whittle a little like critter for my niece or something like that, you know? Definitely. Mike, are you like a mile away making coffee or something? Oh, hey, 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 I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) I can hear you just off in the distance like, yeah, that's really cool. Oh, right on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I've been, uh, so now I'm a weightlifter and I'm a wood whittler. How's the weightlifting going? Hey, man. Oh, dude, it's so good. I mean, you know, steady gains, steady gains, uh, no steroids yet. Uh, <laughs> Do a little stabbing. Uh-huh. Yeah, no stabbing as of yet. Um, but it's been tremendous. I get to hang out with Bremer, which was super fun. And yeah, it feels feels great. Um, I'm still at like just real lightweight. It's kind of getting back into it. But the form has improved dramatically. Have you graduated from those pink just little hand weights that they have for like walking are you huh? past curling like, those? it's it's what? a process yeah, okay? it's, all right you don't rush this <laughs> Jeez, yeah we're getting there oh um but no i got you know i'm i'm to like you know i don't feel quite as self-conscious down there now i got some bigger weights on the bench press and stuff like that which is nice uh yeah man it's good it's awesome good i don't know which i'm more excited i'm pretty excited to whittle some wood though you know what i'm saying yeah. You got to have those things for your downtime. You really do. Yeah. I can feel it. I, you know, we're midway through Lent here, and I, I just felt like a dip in my resolve to, like, get sloth out of my life. You know, mm. there are a couple exceptions I made for myself. I was down and visiting my brother, and I was like, you know, I can have a few beers. And he was also giving up beer for Lent. But it's like, we don't get to see each other that often. So we stayed up and played darts and had a few beers and slept in a little bit. Didn't work out. You know, there was one day I didn't say the mass, which is pretty rare for me, mm. um, but it was just travel and whatnot. Um, I didn't think I had to bring mass stuff. And by the time I got back here, it was busy fish fry and everything. So I just thought I had a um, one of those early morning wake up premonition kind of things a long time ago about this sort of thing where you have good intentions, you good resolves, and then all of a sudden you're... Um, your stamina, you know, gives away and you, and you start like wanting to give up and and go back to old bad habits. And I thought I had this image of like an army and the phrase hold the line Hmm. where one of the traps of the spiritual life a lot of times is like, well, I screwed up, so I might as well keep screwing up, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'm not doing too good, so I might as well just give up the whole thing because like perfection being the enemy of good enough. Um, and that image of like hold the line it's it's burly and, and masculine and it's like even though i've even though i've given way here i don't have to continue to retreat i can hold the line and push back against the enemy you mm, know i like that um i can go to sleep early tonight and get up early tomorrow and do what i need to do you know and start again but that yeah, dude, so many times in my life, I've, if when I look back, oh, Lent, I have all these great intentions, and you, you start out, like, way, biting off way more than you can chew, and then you can't do it, and then you just give, away, you give up the whole thing, and then you have a crappy Lent. 
but a little bit more realistic vision like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna use my downtime well i'm gonna whittle some wood and i'm gonna lift weights with bremer so i can graduate from the pink hand weights and i'm gonna do this and even though you aren't perfect every day i don't know it's much more much more gratifying when you can push through the the difficulty push through the falls you know what i mean hold the line i like the line that's a great image yeah, I like that too. Because it kind of admits like, hey, we've lost some men here. Some <laughs> some people have gone down. Hasn't has gone necessarily to plan. Right. <laughs> hasn't been an overwhelming victory. <laughs> but but we can still hold the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can still give it our, our best go here. Uh, yeah. Gosh, it makes me also want to watch Band of Brothers, which is yeah. one of my favorite shows. Make sure I watch it. I think that's a line from Lord of the Rings. Hold the line. When did, When does he say that? Maybe I got it from that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so, Mike, we what are your before? what are your hobbies? Oh yeah, let's pray. Let's. I'll, just, I'll pray real quick. Okay. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Hail Mary, full of oh, grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Little flower. Pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, hobbies. I don't know about, well, my younger brothers, they got into wood whittling mm. when they, they were doing it to make their own pipes. So you can buy like a pipe yeah. kit I've seen that. that, uh, comes with a big block, like a root block and, oh, uh, a little, little stem wood with your brothers at your ordination weekend. Dude, yeah, you, tell them. Come down. I mean, JP <laughs> is like, yeah, JP, oh, wait, he does not, more. Not JP. Okay. Well, never mind. Actually, Greg, Greg whittles some wood as well. All right, continue. Yeah. JP, fine. So they, they get into all that business. We got a little woodworking shop, uh, kind of one of the side portions of our garage. But I never really got into it. We made ramps. We would make ramps when I was younger. <laughs> I remember you do, telling us about To this. do rollerblading. What's that? I remember you telling us about taking the unicycle down the vert ramp or whatever. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> what? Or was that something Dave Singleton said in a review? Or somebody said something in a review about unless you take the six foot unicycle down the vert ramp, you will have no inheritance with me or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had never heard that. I, I don't think I ever did that because the well the the main problem and I think I have talked about this on the podcast, but the main problem with the the ramps when you build it yourself is you have no clue how dangerous like a steep ramp is. We have talked about this yeah. mm-hmm. on the cast. And there's just point. no way to gauge mm-hmm. just like how how sharp of an angle it needs to be. So we would just absurdly attack this ramp and wipe out all the time. But it was so that's the only really You're saying cool. what? That you'd make it too steep or not steep enough or it was too steep. And and it wouldn't look crazy steep because we're we were used to looking at half pipes that are basically like Vertical. you know 90 90 degree angles mm-hmm. to the ground and so we're like <laughs> well, come on let's let's get uh, some some angles on this here get after it <laughs> yeah and but so it would be curved like, right it wouldn't just be a wouldn't right. just be like so, an angle well one side one side of the ramp was just an angle and the other side had like four uh four cut pieces of wood placed um parallel to each other that kind of gave it the gave it the curve, so it was this mm-hmm. gradual inclination okay. of the angle. It was pretty. It was pretty well done. Um, yeah, they lasted forever. They lasted a long time. That's awesome. But yeah. wow, <laughs> you have to know what you're doing on that. 
<laughs> and uh, we didn't always know what we were doing, but that's part of the process. Not to just continue to go back to wood whittling, but I was just thinking of like the wood shop and stuff. And I think I've always kind of wanted to do wood whittling for a long time, but there's one. Is there, particular- by the way, is there another kind of whittling that you have to clarify wood whittling every time? Soap whittling. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you can whittle a lot of mm-hmm. different stuff. Yeah, okay. you can. Fair yeah. enough. Fair well, enough. I, I was an honest question. I wasn't trying to make fun of you. Anyway, we'll just call it whittling. But just so <laughs> the fans know, when we say whittling, we're generally referring to wood whittling unless further specified. That's right. Um, anywho, but do you guys remember uh, Polly Shore from Jersey? How do you not? How do you not remember Polly Shore? From, no, from no, Casino Man. Act. Like that, yeah, from the 90s. He's the juice man, <laughs> anyway. Uh, he was also in this movie called Son in Law. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh, no, I saw the previews, it looked terrible, as all Polish Shore movies did, yeah. Anyway, for real, I don't know, I do not recommend this because it's been so long since I've seen it <laughs> that it could be like really scandalous to even be talking about. It. I don't know, but anyway, I watched <laughs> Isn't that, that the case with movies, you're always like. Oh, that movie was kind of lame or decent, and then you watch it again with somebody, and you're like, you're like "Wow, this oh is my. obscene!" Gosh, yeah, <laughs> been there. Anyway, but I remember this one scene from this movie. Gosh, I, I don't know how old I was when I was watching this, but the grandpa, Polly Shore, is this crazy Californian, and he comes home to like visit his friend from like North Dakota or something like that um, on a college break, and the grandpa is just this old guy who sits on a porch chair and whittles wood the whole time. And um, anyway, long story short, Polly Shore thinks he's thinks he's deaf, the grandpa. And so he gets like right in his face and he's like he just screams at him. He's like, maybe I could come and whittle wood with you sometime. Hey, grandpa. And the guy just looks up at him and he's got a huge wad of tobacco in his mouth and he doesn't say anything. He just spits on his foot. And like (laughs) scene goes on. Anyway, that's going to be you someday. That could be me someday. Oh, man. Yes. Doesn't sound too bad. Mm-mm. And my dad has pulled a number of those moves where it's like the old classic movie. He's like, oh, guys, yeah, oh, this is a great this is a great movie. We've got to watch it. And halfway through, he's like, cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> turning it off. What is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just doesn't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I've gotten quite into just like general exercise and running on the, on the treadmill and running outside. So mm-hmm. running decent distances at a pretty good pretty good pace what's your longest um that is a classic connor question mm-hmm. how far can <laughs> you hit the golf ball yep. yeah how far <laughs> how many how many pounds can you lift how, how fast <laughs> just go right to the extreme mm-hmm. how, how far and how quick how fast did you run it so let's see the longest that i've i've run just in this little stint seven miles but I, i'll generally do about four Mm-hmm. And cook it at a pretty good pace. I mean, below a seven-minute mile. Ooh, yeah. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But it's it's been the first time that I've finally like, I don't know how to work out in a healthy way. I don't think. Mm-hmm. In in the sense that uh, every time that I go down to work out, just because I had always been like training towards a goal or mm-hmm. uh, like working towards some type of achievement or incorporating into some sports so like even still there there's this mission so just like working out for working out's sake i I don't know how to work out and not like physically do violence to my body and (laughs) know that like okay this is my limit now like there's got to be some in between between going all the way extreme where like i'm about to blow chunks after every workout 
and like a leisure jog, a leisurely jog. Right. Like there's got to be something in between there. Um, so I'm still trying to navigate that area, nav- navigate those. Um, I don't those know, two- man. I'm I'm kind of of the philosophy that is, if you can make yourself blow chunks, your body can handle it. You should just do it. See, have I ever told you the story of my uh, our high school basketball coach about uh, giving it your all and running sprints? Mm-mm. So his philosophy, and he he would tell us this. His philosophy was like if we'd mess up or something like that, we'd have to do down and backs or what they used to call suicides, um, and that's where you go quarter court, half court, all the mm-hmm. way back, three quarters court, all the way back, and then full court, all the what way back. What do they call them now? Back and forth. Um, yeah, what do they call it? Line, the line drill. That's what we call them. We always call yeah, it they're suicides. In, they're in back. Yeah, suicides. So, I, you know, for obvious reasons, that's not really mm-hmm. used um, uh, often anymore. What about, but, soda, what about soda fountain suicides? Do people not say that anymore either? I oh. You know what that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get every flavor. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's soda fountain there in backs. Is that what that's called now? <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Um, Anyways, your your coach would say. Yeah, so he would say, so we had, you had to do it in 27 seconds or else the whole team had to do it again. And so we would, everyone would be booking it. Mm. And, you, you know, you put that time limit on there, like people are going to, are going to give it their all. And there was a couple of times where, you know, it was like miracle. I was style. just going to say, yeah, like. Yeah, where he you just tell me that it it's not worth trying to blow chunks. Like, look, at that's the turning point of that movie when they start becoming champions. Yeah, so he would tell again. us. He would tell us, "Look, again, run your hardest, and your body, because he was also the cross country coach. Your body will tell you when you're done before you, before you tell yourself that you're done." And so he would say, "Like, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna hurt yourself, if your if your body's in actual physical danger, then it'll shut down. Like, you'll pass out before you actually do harm to yourself. So the, it's like the body's." <laughs> protecting I, mechanism i'm i want it noted that i'm skeptical okay, yeah. <laughs> well, okay I, have, so I have a qualification but i think i'm probably less skeptical huh, i was skeptical as well okay but me and my younger brother said all right let's let's see if this is true and we sprinted like i don't know how however many lines we did in a row to, and tried to make ourselves pass out and we never did so I still don't know if it's true or not, but he got us to run as hard as we possibly could yeah. Yeah. for every single every single line that we did. But it w- it was that kind of that same idea, like, look, when you blow chunks, then you'll know that's too far. Like, ah. I mean, obviously that you can't do that. I mean, what are the ways that you can hurt yourself? You can get dehydrated. Um, you can hurt, like, you could sprain or or pull muscles and. And things like that. Like you can. Yeah, but once you're warm, you're basically you're already good to go. Well, if you're talking to 16 you, to 22 year olds, you know, on a basketball team, there's virtually, I mean, besides like traumatic, you know, you're getting pushed down or fall down or something. You're at an age where like you can just be worked hard yeah. and and not yeah. get hurt. You know. You know, you can push. You can be pushed very hard. But the one thing that I did think about is, well, you can have like a type of overheating on your brain right that right. can like legitimately fry your brain if it's too hot for too long um you could i guess your heart could not take it mm-hmm. and could have some type of a failure 
or you could pass out and smash your head on the floor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is a very real, that's a very real possibility. I see. I couldn't see passing out, but I could see throwing up. Like we would, uh, at the beginning of the, the, I only did two fire seasons, but at the beginning of both seasons, we would always do a lot of PT um, before like fire season really heated up. Uh, no pun intended. But it would be either hikes or runs at the beginning of pretty much every day. And then we'd, you know, sharpen our tools and train and do stuff like that. Um, but especially at the beginning, you know, when people are out of shape, I, it never happened to me, but uh, I found hiking to be harder than running, to be honest, with stuff on your back and just it's the constant uphill, downhill, the, the kind of beating that your knees and your your feet mm. take and um i don't know i just i found it really tough but i almost threw up a couple of times but i remember one guy was particularly out of shape and it was his first season and he just kept he couldn't keep running with us and then we'd have to stop and run in place while he was puking on the road and stuff and it just humiliated him and led him to get yeah. into better shape and um yeah. that's sort of pushing and again all of us were like 21 22 years old so and plus we we're going to do an arduous job so it's good to to get in good shape and i don't know i've i've always felt that uh while you can you should work out hard but i'm already feeling i'm going to be 33 yep. in, a, in a month i'm already feeling that i need to take days off even when i don't want to from like leg stuff you know either running or squats because i can feel my knees are getting oh, yeah. weaker and um, yeah. need more rest yeah. like i you know after a a leg day or after like last night I played basketball for an hour and a half. I can feel going upstairs or, you know, kneeling in the morning for prayers that my needs just are sore, you know, not in a, not in like a good muscle way, but in a old man creaky way. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so there's going to be a time. And, and I am also, also aware of the, you probably only get so many squats or so many games of basketball in your life before, your knees just give way, you know, before they explode. <laughs> I mean, um, knees, knees, they're so weak. Yeah. you It's really a very vulnerable part of your body. My uncle yeah. was both, had both of his knees replaced recently. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's ugly. My business. dad has bad shoulder, just joints. The human body is complex. It takes quite a bit to hold it together there. But I, I have had my first, um, my first experience of something that I've heard cross country people talk about that I never, I never high? had. I don't, I don't know why. Is it the what? runner's high? Runner's high. Mm. I can feel, I can feel when the endorphins blast into my brain. Dude, I've never gotten and it. I just want to yell on the treadmill. Huh. Like I just want to let out a primal <laughs> scream. That's awesome. And I've done that sometimes. I'll just pick someone in the gym so that I'm not just screaming at nobody, <laughs> and I'll just yell at them. Like, let's go. Ah! <laughs> and I have headphones in, so I can't even hear what I'm yelling or right. how loud. But it is like I it's a lot of fun. And I've never I've never ever had that before. Huh. And I, I think it's because every time that I was running, I was running so hard that I just wanted to die. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm getting into this. You know, I got like fun music on mm -hmm. and I'm going at a steady pace You're on, on the treadmill and. And it just hits my brain like... Now, how many miles an hour on the treadmill are we talking? Nine? Throttle. Like just over nine. Okay. I don't... Yeah. That's a pretty good clip for going seven miles or even four. It's pretty good. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'm a pretty good So you're good pushing runner. it. You're pushing it. super long legs. Yeah, you're, you're a long-legged fella. 
I'm but you're pushing it, it but it's not it. like you're sprinting. It's not like you're exhausting yourself quickly. It, I think the runner's right. high. It ha- you have to be running for a long time, mm. pretty hard, right? Oh man, yeah. And it just like uh, about a, after a mile, like getting right into that mile and a half. But then I know, I know that it's gonna weigh, it's gonna fall off here in a little bit. So I'll, I want to crank it up to like ten or eleven and just sprint that way that time. Um, but I, I know that would destroy me, right. you know? <laughs> so it's still trying to figure out like, okay. I wonder okay. what function that, that is in God's whole plan with evolution and whatnot. Like, why is it that after, you know, 20 minutes or so of running hard, your brain is just flooded with good feelings? I, what advantage no does that give you as an animal? I've, well, even, even like the more basic question of, just what we were talking about, like pushing yourself to this point of extreme over and over again, which I kind of wrestle with that. Like that's, I mean, that's a big, because that's also very true. I just got done reading that book, uh, The Boys in the Boat, which yeah. is about the gold medal team and rowing team and the 36 Olympics, which was so cool. And like these blue collar kids just did this incredible feat and like got pushed to their max and limit and then go win a gold medal. It's yeah. awesome. But um, it's just, yeah, like the art of coaching is something that is still just like, I'm convinced that is like one of the last, like really tangible ways to like be able to go in and just form young men into like really good men. Hmm. And it can be done like across the, the board. I remember reading, I read a lot of John Wooden growing up and the UCLA basketball coach, and he would not have none of his teams. He won like 10 championships in 12 years or something. And none of his teams would run sprints. Have I talked about this before on the podcast? You talked about you, how you he told... he would know which games they were going to win and lose. Right. That was another thing. But his practices, he had so well orchestrated that he didn't want to waste time with lining them up for sprints. Hmm. So he wanted like he pushed his players like so hard in practice that like he would start at the exact time and it would end at the exact time, and then they would be done yeah. because they had in a sense gotten more efficient uh conditioning than like lining up to run sprints yeah. and things like that yeah yeah hmm. i don't know versus just like uh yeah some guys like oh, i just want to be in like pretty healthy shape like right. i don't want to get down there and like feel a bunch of pain or anything like that right i just, just want to like generally be healthy yeah but and i don't think that's... to me i don't think you know jogging for at five miles and five miles an hour for 40 minutes is going to make me healthy because i'm i mean maybe when i'm 60 years old and that's all i can do but i, I kind of think that at this well, it's age better than nothing it was certainly better than nothing just like walking you know around the lake would be better than nothing but i don't know hold on what do you what do you, you finish that thought well i guess are you talking about the actual act of running i'm just saying that what what if i were to want to just, you know, do a baseline, like, I'm just going to try to burn as many calories as I ate today kind of thing, instead of training and trying to either get stronger or faster or, you know, because that's kind of how I feel. It's like it's a, it's a, a release and it's kind of fun to have goals for, you know, physical fitness and um, makes you feel better, sleep better, I you know. Yeah. True. But I, I have to I have to go hard in the gym for it to – I've gone less hard and I, I don't like spending a ton of time at the gym 
frankly, it's kind of an unpleasant place to be uh, for a long period of time. But I'll go and I'll just I'll go ham for 30 minutes, you know, mm. or, or 45 minutes if I'm if I'm feeling ambitious. But uh, I want to get tired. I want to feel pain. Um, both like mentally, you know, it's good for me to get across those thresholds and physically for me to feel any effect. Like if I just were to walk around a track for an hour, it wouldn't really make me feel any different. I don't think. Um, but (laughs) there was a, there was a comedian that opened for that stand-up comedian I was talking about last time or two times ago named Pat McGann. He was pretty funny. He's from the South side. And he's like, you know, people talk about working hard these days. Like, oh, I'm working so hard. I've got so much to do at work and I'm just exhausted. He's like, if you um, have to go to a gym to work out, you're probably not working that hard at your job. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he says something like, my grandfather worked for 40 years at a sheet metal factory. I said, do you know what he did all day? Yeah, neither do I. But I really doubt he was bumping off at lunch to go to a spin class. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, that's really true. Um, we live such sedentary lives that I don't know if I were doing if I were doing hard labor all day, um, then I maybe wouldn't feel like I had to push myself in a workout situation. But I don't know. There's something. There's something just kind of. I don't know if it's like the runner's high. I'm seeking some kind of endorphin rush. But when I go to the gym, I want to feel it. You know. It's like when Santa's little helper, when they brought the dog into the class in The Simpsons, and Nelson goes, "You got to pet them hard so they can feel it." And the dog sneezes. Did I lose you guys? No, no, no. no. Oh, We're, okay. here. <laughs> We're here. We're here. No, I, it's a good. It's a good question because I mean I agree. Like if I just walked around outside for an hour, I mean it, that would that would definitely be good for me but it wouldn't be it wouldn't have the same feeling as getting out and working out for you know 45 minutes to an hour or something like that so uh, yeah i don't know is it because we have a like a certain amount of energy that we're we need to exert and um you know did that expulsion of the energy like getting it out of your system for like for example my my younger my older brother his little little gal she I guess at like certain portions of the day, you know, she can't talk, she can't move. She's just, she's teeny tiny, maybe three months old, four months old. And there are times where she's not hungry. She's not tired. She just needs to cry. And so she just Mm. cries to like, that's her way of exerting energy. (laughs) So she, that's, that's just what, what she has to do to get, to get it out. So like, there's nothing that they can give her that will, will pacify her, but she just kind of has to work it out of her system. Um, and she has no other way of actually doing that cause she's immobile. Um, and I wonder like sometimes I'll, I'll just get grumpy because I, I need to get out and actually physically do something because, mm-hmm. you know, here in school we just sit on our butts and think the whole time and, and write and talk and yeah, it is very, very sedentary lifestyle. So to man, to mix it up and yeah, even just getting out and doing a little bit is mm-hmm. is actually quite helpful. And I guess that's what I'm realizing is I don't have to push myself to the point of vomiting every time <laughs> that I work out to have like a balanced, holistic life where I'm not just sitting and I'm not just destroying my body, but I'm somewhere in between, which is tough. So it's difficult for me conceptually because oftentimes I'm motivated by an end. So like, hey, this thing is what I'm working for. Mm. And so then I have like a finish line. 
that I can look at and, you know, kind of run interiorly, run to that finish line as a type of motivating factor. It's like the basketball tournament. That's something. When I'm on a basketball team, you know, in high school or in college or whatever, then you have this like bigger thing that you're working for or working towards. There's nothing here now. There's like, there's not anything besides this is a good thing in and of itself for you to do. Mm -hmm. And so can you just do that and enjoy it for its sake? Right. It's like like, prayer. I guess that's just, this just gets built into my day because this is part of being happy and living a, the kind of life that I'm supposed to live that I, that if I don't pray, I will be worse and less happy, less fulfilled. And same thing if I don't exercise, if I don't read, if I don't have good conversations with friends that know me. None of those are like means to an end. Yeah. Oh, they are in a way, but the end is just beatitude, really. It's like blessedness. I want yeah. to I want to live a good life. And this these so are ingredient in that. Yeah, it's strange because I go down there and and it's like I'm willing my own good. Like I know that this is good and I know that I I I do want to do this even though I'm physically lazy. I'm going to get my own butt up and go and work out for a bit. Um there's no real purpose besides like I know that I need I I want to do this to be happy. And this is a this is an ingredient. Yeah, an ingredient in that. So in a lot of ways it is just doing it for me. Because I know that I need it. And I don't think I've ever had the ability to do it for myself. There's always had to be this other thing that I'm working towards mm-hmm. to, to motivate me. So, but I'll tell you, the endorphins thing is <laughs> That's very pretty helpful. sweet. I want, I want to experience that at some time, but I just don't think my knees can handle the amount of running it takes to get there. Hmm. Maybe it's I need better shoes. I mean, <laughs> dopamine. Nice. Very nice. Well, so I met with um, my UIC folks. It's public knowledge now that I'm going to be the new executive director slash chaplain of the UIC wow. Newman Center. Congrats! Thank you. So this is this is this is going on the cast. Yeah, this is out on the I'm internet. Put, I'm putting this on the interwebs. Woo. Look out, UIC! Here I'm coming. Comes. So I'm I'm very pumped. Um, yeah, I met with the staff yesterday and kind of didn't lay out a vision or anything like that. Anything too specific but um sort of give my philosophy of what i think newman centers are for and uh the thing that kind of crystallized to me in my mind in the previous few weeks praying a lot and thinking a lot about because i really think that a project like that um needs needs like cohesive unified vision because there's so much going on there's so much that can go on and the job of the leader, I've really discovered in, in leading a parish for a year, like you really need to have, you need to be the one who sees the big picture and helps everybody else kind of incorporate what they're doing, what their job is into that picture so that it's not just a bunch of little kind of compartmentalized things that are going on, little projects that all are good, but, you know, and, and the thing that kind of came to my mind, and I'm, I'm open to changing it, but that Newman Centers exist so that people at, on universities may know Christ like that knowledge of him um, in every in every way, you know. So if if it's the, the communal life or the liturgical sacramental life or the educational life, you know, like Bible studies or lectures and um, things like that, like all of it is, 
you know, people go to university to, to get knowledge and the most important knowledge is knowledge of Christ. And if it's a secular university, the, the reason for the existence of a Newman Center is so to kind of organize all that knowledge under the heading of truth itself, who is Jesus. <clears throat> and so like culture and, and community, authentic community, authentic friendship, and then leading all into the celebration and reception of the Eucharist the most intimate knowledge of Christ, all, all of that stuff should be working around that center. So it was good and people responded really well and I'm looking forward to getting to know the people there better. And um, I don't know, it's very, very exciting. It's sad to be leaving St. Benedict. Um, and it was very yeah. moving to announce it this weekend and see who had kind of deep reactions to the news. You know, grown men crying um, was very, very it's just like I felt very honored by that. Um, yeah. So it's, but it's part of the life of the priest to, you know, it's, I must go to another town now and announce the gospel there. So cool stuff, dude. But I, I one one of the things I told them is like my philosophy is becoming more and more that if you consistently do the right thing day in and day out make the you know and and make decisions according to the vision that you i mean my my paradigm really is baron when he was rector of the seminary like it was just so he was so decisive but also not authoritarian in any way but yep. he he just knew what direction we were going and he got us all on board and we believed in him that's the kind of leader i want to be you know and if you do that day in and day out amazing things happen that take a long time to do like you saying mike about goals you know, I, for so long, I was like that where I need to know what the end game is so that, you know, I'll know when I'm done and we can just relax, you know, like when is the STL thesis going to be done? You know, when is the Golden Gate Bridge going to be painted and we can just sit back and not have anything else to do that never happens in life? You know, um, the Golden Gate Bridge constantly needs to be painted because as soon as you're done at one end, the other end has started to chip, you know, um, that's just like everything in life. You consistently have to do it. And then if you do that, even though your projects change and um, kind of like need to be redone and reworked and rethought, you will have a blessed life because you're you're doing God's will all the time. You're on mission, and that's that is the end is to be on mission in some ways. Um, you know, there's no like there's no time where you can sit back, relax, and be like, okay, now the Newman Center is done. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what's the goal is to is to do it every day the right way and you will know you can see if it's being done that way by the results that you know like the jp2 chapel or changing to semesters or all the different things that he did while he was in charge you know were just a matter of he had a vision and even though these things seemed disparate and separate and and different like it all fell under the under the umbrella of, for him like the new evangelization you know how are we going to make this the best seminary to create evangelizers so it's it's cool. It's exciting. Preach it, dude. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Sounds like you want them to find the center. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh -huh. I could just rob his whole three-part thing. Why not? Dude, his three paths will be... I've thought about that many times of like... And I don't know how... You know, it depends so much on the capacity and where I'm at and blah, blah, blah. But it's like his three paths will be like the outline for like formation in a parish mm -hmm. or wherever I'm at 
probably forever for the rest of my life, like those three paths will be it because they sum it up. It's exactly that. Like, how do you start? Like, well, you find the center, which is Jesus and everything else just kind of flows from that. Yeah, I shamelessly stole it and presented it to the PT1 guys. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, they asked me to come up and give a talk to them on Tuesday night. Oh, actually, you like this. Well, yeah, so Tuesday night went up there, and, and it was me, Bremer, and Christian Chu, and we presented to, so three deacons, we presented to the PT1s, and they basically wanted to say, look at these guys' formation works. Well, little did they know. <laughs> false assumption <laughs> no it was a lot of fun but i that's that's exactly what i pitched to him i said look i'm just going to tell you what i heard when i was here which is baron's three paths and uh and like how they've played out in my in my own life essentially but i mean even when he constructed it he said look i think these are three basic like time tested ancient christian christian ways of of uh approaching the spiritual life so I'm just, he just synthesized them and, and laid them out pretty succinctly. Which, for listeners, this is would be find the center, know you're a sinner, and your life is not about you. Which you can also find pretty well systematically laid out in, is it The Strangest Way? I think is that the, the book that he, way, yeah. Yeah, that he wrote like on, on them. Yeah, and he talks about it directly in To Light a Fire on the Earth. I mean, he says, like, this is the path, this is how I presented formation when I was in the seminary. Hmm. And lays mm-hmm. the three parts out. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, if, if any of them are not there, you're, uh, all of them are essential. Mm-hmm. They're all essential yeah. parts of being a Christian, being a person, and being divinized. Yeah. And I like that, too, of, like, what you were talking about going into now as a, like, director of this Newman Center and, like, drawing, drawing back to, like, your experience of him here of, like, he really, at least seemingly, was, like, not authoritarian at all. But, like, he also knew exactly, like, what he was about and was, like, very unafraid to make decisions mm-hmm. and move forward as well. So, right. like, seeing that lived very well was very cool. Definitely. Anyway, of Because um, that's hard to do. I mean, that's, to quote Pat Metz, like, that's manball. That is manball. Yep. <laughs> manball, I like that. Manball, dude. Major League manball. Right. Yeah, that's in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's cool, man. It's uh, it seems like a great fit for your own. Um, it feels. Well, I think you're, very you're, right. you're your own priesthood, mm-hmm. right? And then you have this hankering, hankering, hankering for uh, the intellectual life, and so to be able to present right. the faith in that context, it's just sort of an academic context. Um. Yeah, that's 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 awesome, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spectacular. Muy bien. Mucho bueno. <laughs> Aslo, um, Guadalupe Rostri, coffee for the common good. Aslo. Hey, we're drinking Guadalupe Rostri right now. It is delicious. I know. <gasps> I just finished my cup. Hey, I can we give a can I give a shout out to um. Ooh, what's her name? Sister Steph. No, sorry. Emailed us about what? Huh? Did you say no? What? Are you editing this? <laughs> As we speak. I'm editing it in, in real time. Is yeah. this thing on? Hello. He- Heather? <laughs> Is her name Heather? Who was donating a bunch of stuff? Oh, via Oh, for I haven't read Amazon. that email yet. I just yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, she's just been shopping for the sisters. 
I need to do uh, that. I need to put an Amazon wish list up for the Newman Center. So that's it, a great idea. Are mm-hmm. people just buying stuff for them, and then it I just goes so. to them? That's great. I didn't know. Yeah, I had no idea. They're buying like sugar, like yeah, raw raw goods. Yeah, raw but like, what was the email? Like, she listened to the podcast from Mundelein or something. Yeah, and somehow wanted to support the well, Chicago she, sisters. She yeah, called she us mentioned. one of the two Mundelein podcasts. What's the other podcast from Mundelein? Oh, is it the Liturgy Guys with DMac? You think oh. it might be? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's no other not, seminarians. Not that, have that one, we right? are endorsing them. No, no. As a matter of fact, directly the contrary. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm upset. I guess her. it's got it. I don't think anybody else has a podcast uh-huh. that, that I know of. You have to be pretty savvy to have a podcast, I must say. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even if somebody does, it's not that it matters because I would never listen to it. <laughs> yeah, man. you need at least a computer. And a tiny microphone and a room. You actually don't in. even need a tiny microphone, as we learned from our first several episodes. <laughs> you can just record it straight <laughs> through the computer. computer. You just need a computer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Woo. Uh, we also, uh, what was that email? Somebody was wanting to know our ordination dates Hold or on, something. What was that gal's name? Oh, yeah. Uh, I can check. I don't know. I already archived the email. I, I think it's Heather. Here, here, here. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hang on. I got it. Yeah. Hey, what? The, our, my ordination is on June 16th, 2018. I'll be ordained a priest. My ordination will be May 26th, feast day of St. Philip Neri, Samantha. 2018. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Was that Katie that sent that email? Shout out to Katie. Katie. Is that right? Katie. You're right. Yeah, Katie. Shout out. Katie Hoover? Thanks for the prayers. Really appreciate them. Yeah. And then the other lady. Oh, man. Heather. Is it Heather? I think so. So, no, it's Samantha. Samantha. Yeah. Did you say that? No. Yeah, I did. Oh. I had forgotten it, though. So, the Apostle of Joy, St. Philip Neri. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty cool day to be uh, ordained on. Do you guys know any uh, good biographies of St. Philip Neri or anything like that? I can I can read on. Maybe it, some but... listeners will email us. Yeah, that's probably I don't true. Really know uh, about Father Gus was saying though that I guess St. Philip Neri was known to be like a big jokester and like had a great sense of humor and all this cool stuff. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I don't know why he has the name the Apostle of Joy, but that's kind of that's got to come from somewhere. Did he not like... start the Oratorians? Is that Philip Neri mm-hmm. uh, in Rome? I have no idea. Oh, gosh. We're going to sound like such doomkops on this episode. Definitely going to get some emails. <laughs> I uh, I need to get a little bit more versed in Newman, I think. Having been assigned to the Newman Center, I need to uh, read some Newman. I mean, I've already read some, but... Ew. Should I we like go to... to... What? 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 <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> That's a good idea. Hmm. Okay. Hey, I, I, hey, I do have... I, I did want to share this thing because it's been... It's been burning my prayer. Okay. It just like lit, lit my brain up. And it's not really related to anything that we've been talking about at all. But, but this just, is for the podcast, right? This is for the podcast, okay. yeah. I've just been dying to share this with you guys because it, it, I felt like it clicked with a lot of things that we've tried to talk about. And it just makes good distinctions that right, with correlate, with, correlate with my experience. On okay. with it. So this is uh, Love Sacred Order by Erasmo Leva Maricakis. Nicely said. I've never said that name out loud in a way that I thought was correct. Say it again. <laughs> Erasmo Leva Maricakis. Nice. All right, one more time. Yeah. Erasmo Leva Maricakis. And it's called Very Love good Sacred author. Order 
the four loves revisited. So he published this in 2000, which is the 40th anniversary of C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves, hmm. and it is so good. I mean, the guy is very smart. He, do you have his gospel commentary yeah. on Matthew? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fire of Mercy. So he, he does a lot of etymological stuff with the Greek, and so he's kind of the perfect guy to write The Four Loves because that's based off the four four different types of love in Greek. Okay, so this is it. He's talking about Eros at this point. He says, Eros, in other words, although arising from the depths of our created being, is the human experience that can train us most effectively in our understanding and practice of the perfect love that is charity. Why? Because Eros by nature wants to spend itself recklessly, thus presenting at least a distant analog of God's own recklessness in creating and redeeming. Hmm. So Lewis further observes that sexual desire without eros so just the passion just the just the desire without eros wants it the thing in itself where eros wants the beloved the lustful man does not really want a woman he wants a pleasure for which a woman happens to be the necessary piece of apparatus <laughs> yeah where eros makes a man really want not just a woman but one particular woman in some mysterious but quite indisputable fashion, the lover desires the beloved herself, not the pleasure she can give. Isn't wow, that? That's very good. You know, that reminds me of uh, this podcast episode I just listened to from Matthew Sewell. I think is how you say his last name. Is a guy in Colorado who uh, maybe maybe Montana. Anyway, his, his thing is called Mon- Mountain Catholic. And he talked to Arlene Spensley. Have you ever heard that name? She wrote Chastity is for Lovers. Arlene Spinsley? This is a whole like Catholic Twitter thing that you guys don't know about because you're not on Twitter. But um, Arlene Spinsley wrote, they they did a whole podcast episode on whether, you know, on man's, the man's duty to pursue the woman in courtship. And they talked a lot about this, like that idea of wanting one particular woman and like kind of paying the price. Like a man is not ready to commit or give of himself fully until he's willing to pursue a woman, you know? And that Eros impulse is, yeah, I like that. It's very particular in its uh, object, and the object is personal. Right. You know, not just a, I want to feel good, and you, I need you to do that for me. Um, mm-hmm. And she, well, I- she talked a lot about how women, because of a lack of male initiative will either manipulate them into pursuing them, you know, through whatever, immodest dress or, or, you know, flirting or whatever, like not wait for them to be assertive. Um, or they'll just take over the male role for them and, and like text them and, and try to pursue them. And then men just sit back and, but there's something like unfulfilled in the man. If he doesn't like let that erotic impulse blossom into, into the pursuit of one particular woman. And, yeah, there's a lot. I want to hear what you have to say, but one, maybe can I just say one more thing on that? I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> the book, what book did I just finish about by Willa Cather? I think it was... My Antonia? No. Good guess. hated that book. Really? I, That's a I can't, book. we can't. I think we've already talked about that, but... Darn it, I don't remember the name of the, the story, but it was about <laughs> a girl from Nebraska, not surprisingly, who was a great musician and went to Chicago and met a guy there and she was a singer and... Anyways, he was married, but in an unhappy marriage and 
he fell in love with her and she fell in love with him, but they, but they never, you know, like in our modern language hooked up or, you know, had an affair or anything like that. It was completely emotional, this affair that they were having. And, um, I remember like several scenes, one in particular where he, where they're alone and he, they're like in a room by themselves and she's about to leave for Germany, I think, to go train with some opera singers and like, this is the next step and he's paying her whole way. And, um, like his love for her and, and I remember being them being trapped in the room and my imagination was like, why, you know, wouldn't it be tempting for them to just tear each other's clothes off and, and, you know, the desire that they have for each other would manifest itself in that, you know, like animal impulse. But rather like what was happening is that this guy was just totally enthralled by her and wanted her and like wanted to buy her things and, and mm. tell her how beautiful she was. And like, there was just no, Maybe it was a different time or Willa Cather is a female author and, and like, I don't know what the perception difference was, but that really convicted me. Like there's something wrong with me that I can't imagine a man totally head over heels in love with a woman who doesn't just want to use her, right, for his own pleasure. But, but his love for her makes him want to shower her with praise and gifts and love and affection for her own sake. You know, it's almost like worship in a way like but step back step back a little bit so it's not idolatry but that sort of awe and reverence for the for the woman is to me like what eros what what you're talking about with this maracacus thing does that make sense right. yeah 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 where it's this where i'm not going to use you for my own gain mm -hmm. but that you in and of yourself are are worthy of these things and you kind of deserve these things like my desire for you sense. doesn't make me want to take you my yeah. desire makes me want to give stuff to you, namely there, give myself to you. Yeah, and in that, I guess I was, what I was thinking about, like, there's just a, like, a necessary capacity. I don't know if you'd call it virtue or what you would. That is like required in order to even like perceive that. Mm. Though, um, I don't know. One to, to perceive what that like whether or not like this experience of like attraction to this person is like authentic eros or use right, as an object. Right, right, right. You know, like even thinking back to, I mean, all kinds of experiences though of like, because you can also use a similar thing, maybe less like kind of dramatic in the feel of just like friendships of it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is actually experiencing this person for who they are and, uh, and like deeply loving them in this yeah. experience. Um, but it's not, now about or just about because oftentimes it's mixed this experience of like joy or pleasure that i get from this yeah and not necessarily like physical pleasure just like an enjoyment like yeah. laughing etc um so I, I i just thought about that though if like then you take like a romantic example like that of a man like pursuing a woman how he should like there's a real level of in our language, like you'd call it formation, that's almost required of that. That I don't think you have to necessarily get systematically. Like, like you get a lot of it from being around, like a good dad growing up, or like just good men can teach other men that kind of implicitly. Yeah. Um, but it is required. Like yeah. you can't. It's not like magic that it's just necessarily mm -hmm. the the capability to do it is not always there. Right. Right. Yeah. No. I and. I guess the amazing thing about that was 
it helped me to distinguish um, like because because in one sense it's about eros and like the sexual desire and passion and uh, and romance but I think it applies to all sorts of different stuff um, right. so like we've talked about it before but the experience of just sitting down in front of a TV or in front of YouTube and just saying like okay what can entertain me right now which what you're really saying is I have this feeling of uh, of lacking of poverty mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly what it is so I'm just going to sit here and just see if anything hits it and just like what a blah experience yeah. that is whereas compared to hey in a week you want to go watch this movie because I've been dying to see this movie and then you kind of plan it and you're mm. working towards this one movie and all of your energy is placed like placed uh-huh. into it you know and so then you have this you have this true pursuit of like, okay, this is actually what I'm looking for. Like when I sit down and, and just get sucked into a YouTube vortex, that's really about, it's not about what I'm watching. It's not about the object mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's just about there's something happening in me that I'm not aware of, that I'm just trying to to f- like fill or numb or whatever is going on there. So, so when I'm in my room alone or any of us are in our rooms alone and we feel like this, this lustful desire coming in, we're not actually interested in a woman. We're interested in getting rid of that lustful desire Mm -hmm. or like fulfilling this pleasure that will hopefully take care of this lustful desire. Um, but we're not actually seeking after this intimacy there. There's like, there's like actually something that's going on underneath the surface with it. Um, so even just categorizing that, like, man, oh man, when that stuff, when when all these different temptations come on, that I need to figure out, it's helpful for me to figure out what am I actually looking for here, and to just say like, oh, this is a desire for God, is so, it, that's true ultimately, like he is the one beloved, capital B, that we're looking for, um, but oftentimes it's like too far removed from the actual desire that I'm experiencing there. So all of my passions that I'm feeling within myself, what am I actually looking for? That's really good. Because once you, if you like, because that's hard to get to. Oh. And like it requires a discipline and like work sometimes to yeah. get to it. Or at least like a delayed gratification. I don't know. Like you can insert a lot of stuff there. Yeah. But that's just the whole like, golly, man, that book Till We Have Faces is just continuing to like deepen in my thought. But it's like, that's exactly it. Until you get to that point, you don't have a face. And until you have a face, you can't talk face to face with God. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the whole premise of that that book. Yeah. Is like we can't talk face to face with in the book's language, the gods. Yeah. Unless we have a face to do so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Like we we have to be really ourselves. Exactly. And so it's like it's a way different thing to sit there and just like kind of mundanely get sucked into this YouTube vortex and be like, Oh damn, at the end of it, like it didn't hit whatever I was looking for. Or maybe it did stir something up to where like, if you even allow that like little bit of, um, awareness to come in, at least you can kind of like, I don't know the right word, but like maturely say, no, I actually know this isn't it. I'm going to choose it anyway. Yeah. At least you're talking right. in face-to-face conversation. Yeah. Then that's yeah. what I was trying to say. Oh with yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that's a totally different experience. Which is, till we have faces, I think is the perfect 
narrative example of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause uh, oh, yeah. I mean, because the, the main character in there has this sister that she's deeply in love with, but most of the times throughout the book, it's really this jealous holding on to this type of manipulation that's self-serving that is guised in her passion, passionate love for her. Right. So she, she acts like she's loving her sister, but in a lot of ways she's actually using her mm-hmm. and even like manipulates this, this passionate um, affection that they have for one another mm. to control her, you know, and like, I, I don't control want to like movie, certainly possess but, her. The, yeah. The book. Yeah. And, and, and control her as well. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And harm her ultimately, mm-hmm. which is, you know, well, yeah, Bisque, you need to read this book so we can talk about it for real. <laughs> which one? Till we have faces. Yeah. Yeah. I've read it. Okay. Oh, you've read it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really understood it to be honest with you. I have to read okay, it. Okay. You need to listen to go to podcast. Is the, I'm not. Oh yeah. This. I did the Peter Kreeft. Uh, oh man. Talk. Blew I me to, away. Maybe I'll listen to that again. Yeah. Because I'm having trouble tracking with you guys, but I, yeah, I think that sorry, really makes sense. I, I, it's kind of kind of talking and veiled stuff, but but I just that was that was so striking for me because one, it affirms and acknowledges like, hey, these passions are totally awesome, which I'm always on board with that, where we aren't, um, you know, we're not stoics and we're not trying to avoid those things, but that those passions are actually they they need to be directed to the thing that you're actually looking for, so. Essentially, have some have some self awareness, and yeah, try and find out and allow the pain of the desire to reveal the object that you're actually searching for, which is a super challenging thing. Like letting the pain of the desire um, kind of burrow its way into your heart and allow it to lead you. That's very different than saying I'm just going to release it. You know, I'm just going to, I want to be free of this desire. I want to be free of this passion because it does hurt to, you're disconnected. There's this thing that I want and I can't have it right now. And sitting in that tension is a painful thing. So instead of allowing that to just be like uh, pushed out of you, to give it the opportunity to burrow into you and to kind of lead you down. um, I've, I've lately, I've had some very cool experiences of Understanding that process and allowing it to happen and seeing like, whoa, <laughs> mm. this is the thing that I was actually looking for. Um, or at least saying, I know it, it It gives me the freedom to fight a temptation because it's you can look at it and see like, okay, this isn't actually what I'm interested in. Sure. Mm. This, this I know for a fact this isn't going to satisfy me. So I, does any... Stuff, man. Did any of that make sense with the desire? Yes. Okay. Very much. I am sorry that I need to go. Ugh. This is a good conversation. Dang it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> That's what my daddy always said. Cut them thin to win. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisque, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball.
Sneaky dogs. Sneaky dogs. Good girl.